And it's five, four, three, two, uno. Hello there, folks. Here we are again with Tell the Damn Story. And I know you're used to Chris being the one to do all the really exuberant introduction here. And then he mentions me and then he mentions our guest and all that. But Chris is not here. Chris has got a priority that he had to take care of. It's almost like he's had to bail out of the plane behind enemy lines or whatever. But anyway, so Chris is off doing something that was really very important. So I get to talk to Shannon, our wonderful guest, Shannon. And by the way, Shannon, the spelling of your name, is it actually pronounced Simmons? It's Simons. It's Simons. Ah, okay. Now, Scottish way yeah. back when. Okay. But... See, so mine's Simmons, hers is Simon. So either way, folks, it's going to be very interesting. You know? But we have uh, author Shannon Simons with us this evening. And I just want to say that, Shannon, uh, we have a lot to cover because I looked at your bio. I looked at the material that you've worked on. You have written over 263 articles, multiple awards. You're, you do volunteer work with people who've gone through some pretty stressful and, and intense things. And we'll talk a little bit about that. You have at least six books out with a seventh on the way in November. Am I correct? Actually, it's eight with the ninth, but the other two aren't. Oh, fine. Be like that. Okay. <laughs> I got to get my, where, where, where's the stage manager? Why don't I have accurate numbers here? Anyway, I didn't send you the other two because they're not cozies. We'll find out more about that as we go along. But so I wanted to start out here and tell the damn story. Uh, a lot of our listening audience are uh, aspiring or emerging or struggling writers. And we tend to share as many uh, tips and techniques and things with them as possible. But we also like to have the community have a sense that as we go through these various challenges, trying to tell our stories, get our stories out there, that you're not alone. And so one of the things I love to do is find out where did all this start for you? So I have to ask, because you write mysteries and you do some of these other things, was writing what you always wanted to do or did you fall into it at some point? Well, probably reading is what I always wanted to do. I read at a very bizarrely young age and they used to, when I was in kindergarten, the high schoolers would come over to read with me and have me read encyclopedias for entertainment. And just, okay, I don't ever remember learning to read. So I read a lot. And we have a family beach house up the road where my grandmother and great aunts took us every summer for the summer. And when it rained, I read and we had all the Agatha Christie's there. And that was my favorite out of everything at about age nine. And then I did write. I wrote poetry and short stories as a kid. I wrote an apology letter once to my mother ah. <laughs> and then put it away because I had six kids. And, oh, you know, okay. See, that's not down here in my notes either. Okay. No. And I, I was selling some artwork. So that was fun. And for a while. You're an so, artist also? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely going to talk to your agent because there's a whole lot of stuff she left out. But okay, go ahead. It's too long anyway. Too long a bio. So I was working as an advocate a certified advocate with victims and survivors of domestic and sexual assault or intimate partner violence for about 14 years. And for a very good reason, I needed to quit that job. Mm. And I was just heartbroken having to leave it. Really, it was like my passion. I had some experiences in my past that drove it and I was good at it. I was responding with law enforcement in our county at the moment that the crime happened or at the hospital afterwards. And I just felt like I still had more work to do. 
Mm. I was just going to go and talk to my family, not knowing what am I going to do? Because it's a tiny county. There's only 36,000 of us. And there's one job that does that. <laughs> That's my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I say small town, small town. And talking to my sister, I said, I really would like to write a book, but I can't tell anybody the truth about anything that I've done. Mm. And then I lose my certification. She goes, write a fiction. And I'm like, I'm not sure I could get away with that. And, and then I talked to some people and everything I've written, anything that's in it as part of my experience is part of a cumulative experience. So I've seen it like way more than once. And yeah. And so I decided, yeah. And the reason I wanted to write the book was, and my first book was about what I was doing, was I wanted us to see each other deeper and better. I think we have a tendency to A, hide our history. Our histories mm. are hard sometimes and we're not comfortable talking about it because B, everybody wants to give us advice when we open our mouth. You should have, well, you could have. <laughs> if only you had. And I wanted to write a book that answered two questions. Why doesn't she just leave? And why doesn't she hit back? And so that was my first book. And I wrote it in a silo out here alone by the fire. <laughs> and it was what the was year- the name of it? A uh, safe house is what the, I named it Finding Grace. The publisher named it Safe House. Um, and so I didn't know anything about being a writer and author. And uh, my sister helped me. She, she was a teacher and she was fabulous. And um, in fact, she died the day I got the first look at it. And oh, I was able to share it with her. Yeah, she had cancer. So I just wrote my book and I really wrote the way I read and what I like to read. And I sent it to one publisher who mentioned another and I was, oh, I'm going to go through 18 publishers. I don't know. And then one night I just felt like I had to send it out. It just was today, like today. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. why. And I got on the computer in the kitchen all alone and they're asking me all these questions. Like, how are you going to market your book? How many people do you know on Facebook? <laughs> And I'm like, yes. What's your platform? Yes. What's your platform? Yes. <laughs> Do you have a website? Do you have readers? And I thought, oh, I'm just going to send it in. At least I've sent it, even if mm -hmm. I'm rejected. And they they took it, and they gave me about one hour of marketing instruction. <laughs> okay. Here's yeah. your hatchet. Go into the woods and chop something down. Yes. Okay. Wow. But it's been quite a journey. And when like, was this? I think it came out in 2018, 17 or 18. Yeah. I had written the articles before, just trying to figure out what I could do to fill that part of my soul. Mm -hmm. I wrote articles though, trauma recovery or drug of choice or chocolate drug of choice, things like that. <laughs> so that's a fun title. I'm sorry. I don't know what the article's about, but that's a fun title. It's it was fun to write it. And it's something I really believe. I, we were writing those. My daughter and I were writing together. And out of that, I got invited to do some blogs for a musician that's pretty famous in my community. And I really love her and do a newsletter for another organization. I was very, the last time I worked as an advocate, the last year I was working with sexual assault survivors and I was noticing a pattern and I really didn't know what I was seeing until I took a training on sex trafficking. And that became the next thing I wanted to talk about in a book. But I also wanted the book to be a fun, I wanted it to be a ride. I wanted you to fall in love with this girl and the families that are involved in her life and to cheer for her, to laugh at the advocate because mm -hmm. she's an idiot on the regular. <laughs> and just to end it, seeing things more clearly.
in, in a way you may never see it, hopefully, in your life. <laughs> no, are we still talking about Safe House? No, that was Finding Hope. That was the next one. Uh-huh. Oh, see, you got to help me out here, because again, this was not either. <laughs> okay, so we had Safe House or Finding Grace, to, uh, aka Safe House, and now we have, what did you say? Finding Hope. Finding Hope, okay. Finding Grace, Finding Hope. Okay, I'm seeing a pattern here. And was that also around 2018 or 19? Yeah, it was. It was. And and like a lot of authors, I had the gift of COVID, which is horrible. We lost, people were hurt, and I was so glad to be shut in writing books. I had just left a job like the week before we went into quarantine. And I had told my daughter to move in with her kids. And actually, my kids had five babies during COVID. Oh, my goodness. I know. It was a lot of fun. It was, it's sad to say, but it was a gift to slow down. I hear you. I hear you. There's there, Chris and I, during that year plus, we discussed a number of things on the show. You know, we also talk outside of it. But on the show, we talked about a number of things, including writing about COVID or adding COVID to your story about what happens when you're struggling with where your mind is at that point. Because there were a lot of questions floating around society at that point. Is this the Armageddon, whatever? And some people were just caught in a, a very depressing vacuum. And, mm-hmm. and again, as creatives, there's a part of you that wants to communicate what you're feeling, thinking, but if it's a, a bit of a downer, to put it mildly, and you're not sure, should I be doing that? Should I be recording this? And just putting it more putting more of that out there for people to look oh my god this is terrible but so it's we all dealt with it in different ways and I'm glad that you had your family around you to do that my family was tucked in here as well and yeah it did slow things down cleared the air literally for Mm -hmm. a period of time things environmentally became a little bit saner for a bit but yeah I see that this was This was a cocoon that was creative and useful for you at that time. Actually, I think it was the first time since I left high school when I wasn't doing 65 things at one time. And Mm. it was not easy. I had a high-risk pregnancy and a kidney patient in the house, and a diabetic in the house. And I had uh, my 80-something-year-old mother and my father with Alzheimer's that were here for the summer and stayed for the whole of COVID. I became super shopper for all the babies. So I'm not going to say it was easy. It it gave me the gift of writing a grant that would pay me to write books. And so I did. Excellent. Four books in four months. And I just ate it up. Was that the the series that you did? Was that the beginning of the series? Four books in four months. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that. We are definitely (laughs) going to talk about that. But let me just step back one notch. You wrote a grant that allowed you to write the books. So can you tell us a little bit about the grant? And, and it, you know, don't reveal any details that you feel are terribly personal or anything, but you just give us some sort of an idea how that works. I, I had left that job with a pretty good NDR. And I because of COVID, I was able to apply for unemployment because of the way things came down, which is a first for me, like a, a frantic first. I've never been unemployed. Um, I got on the phone with the sweetest lady named Sandra, I think. And I would say, I'm applying for unemployment. But this won't be long. I don't really know what to do. And she says, do you have any self-employment? Because you won't be able to apply if you're self-employed. And I said, I'm an author. I have some books. And she said, oh, dear. 
And I was like, crud. So she said, there is this grant. It's a self-employment assistance grant that Oregon has. It's supposed to go for four months, which is hence the rush. But I know they extended it, but I did go back to work. And I had to put together a business plan. I had already started one. It was in my mind. I wanted to write it. I just had been busy. Mm-hmm. And I sent it in and they gave me the grant. So it was like an 87 page proposal. It was, it was a lift. I've learned a lot in the last you few years. You wrote the book for the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was a gift. And so it allowed me to write. And I thought that my publisher probably wouldn't take these. And they did. And then I was concerned because I wanted them to come out in a row more rapidly, like rapid release. Uh, and I told them, I says, okay, if you're going to take it, but if not, please don't take it because I'm ready to go and I want to rapid release them. And they took them and I was their first experimental rapid release. So that was fun. I, I'm I'm smiling because Chris and I did, a, uh, I have a character that I created, an African-American soldier of fortune in the 1930s called Blackjack. And Chris and I did a four book series collection of stories about this character and that we threw a banner over it as rapid reads. Oh, so, yeah. so you're talking rapid release and we did we were doing rapid reads at, around the same time. So that's just very interesting. Great. That book. sounds like a good book. I, I'll send you uh, one. I'll make sure I send you something because I'm I, I downloaded one of yours from Amazon. Oh, I'm sorry. I could send you one. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to send me one with an autograph, I will not refuse it. So there you'll be sorry you said that. But all right. So you I guess that sort of segues us into the the series if i've got it right since i didn't get any information about the other two books no that's right. okay that's okay that's all right it's not your fault i will be talking to your agent <laughs> but okay i'm just going to pull up for my own reference the i can see them here ah there they are the series is called a sea cozy mystery series am i correct by the sea, cozy mysteries. Oh, see, I, I left out a word. My bad. Two words. Oh, I no, they're really tiny on the cover. Do you notice? <laughs> well, I'm looking at, and when the when I do the YouTube version of the show, uh, mm-hmm. I will pop pop in images so people can see them. So the first one was "Murder Takes a Selfie." Mm-hmm. So this is one of the four books that you wrote for that grant, or yeah. with that grant. Okay. So how did you come up with the characters? And I guess I should ask, because I had this note, what was the age range for the audience that you were considering? When I wrote this, I was really thinking about young people, but also adults. So there are characters in it that are adults, and there are characters in it that are young people. And the feedback has been cool. I never thought about 11-year-olds reading it, but they like ah, it. That's, tw- that's almost a tween. So, yeah, so middle grade is 8 to 12. And then teenager or YA is 13 to 18. Yeah, and you, you have so-called adults after that, although we don't necessarily act like it. <laughs> but and yeah. Then, yeah. And then the feedback from real hardcore readers has been that they love it, even though the main character is 17. They love it. My Jake next Nancy Drew. Gee, yeah. Little Nancy Drew, little Agatha Christie. And yeah. I had really fallen in love with Cozy Mysteries. I am the quintessential mom. I don't want anything in the house that everybody can't read. And I love Miss Marple. I love Agatha Christie. And I wanted to write my own. And mystery is the only thing I ever want to read. Yeah. I'm growing to like you more and more. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they're cozy, so they're clean, safe if the kids get into the bookshelf. <laughs> I probably am a little more thriller than some authors. There's some things that happen on the coast that don't happen inland, like water spouts or funnels or like mm -hmm. tornadoes of mm -hmm. the ocean or tsunami alarms and alerts or... Yeah, I so, picked up on some of that in your copy. Yeah. 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 And so that piece of it is a little more thriller than probably a lot of cozies, but it makes it fun. Kind of brings See, it the thing up. is, to me, and again, it depends on the era that the writer is actually from. Agatha was the 1920s, 30s, that sort of it. That's a different era than what you're dealing with and what I've dealt with. And subsequently, our influences are different. So our sensibilities might approach the project a little differently. We might add some additional spices because of the society we're writing for. You know, this is a much more, I'm not going to say intelligent audience. Let's just say more aware. <laughs> just more aware. You can't go, oh, it's a ray gun. No, we're gonna, what are the principles behind this thing? <laughs> I learned that. I talked to my son-in-law once and I said, wouldn't it be fun to write a fantasy, like a time travel? And then he gave me the whole deal on time travel because he's very intelligent. I thought, yeah, I'm never writing that. <laughs> See, but that's the funny thing. And I, I don't want to take on your, I think you said your son-in-law, I don't want to take him on. But there's so many theories about time travel that sometimes you just want to go and they could travel through time and just want to run with that. What do you believe in? What do you, in the multiverse and all So the, yeah. the thing about fantasy, science fiction, mm -hmm. and certain other genres is there's room to play. If you're adamant about the details and you do it right, it just adds to the validity of the world that you're bringing your audience into. But mm -hmm. sometimes there's just some rubber band room and you can just play a bit and let <laughs> it go. So well, that's how I've written books when I started. I just played. Let me mention, so the first one is Murder Takes a Selfie, and you introduce Sophie, and don't tell me, I, I'm going to get it here in a second, because I was just looking at the copy, <laughs> Esther and Sophie, right. So Esther is your main protagonist, mm -hmm. she's 17, and Sophie is her best friend, and they mm -hmm. live in this little coastal town. Now, I noticed that in all five of the murders, you have what I call a Jessica Fletcher effect, where somebody's got to die. I know. <laughs> it's, can, can you just stay away from me? Because people around you die constantly. But yeah. we got a body in every one of your stories. So can you tell me, you were writing for a young audience, not young, but you were writing for teens or something like that. Oh, okay. And you wanted to do a cozy. And yes, Agatha did have people croak, especially yeah. like 10 Little Indians. <laughs> what were you thinking would be your do's and don'ts to that? And how did you come up with the, the concept for that particular story? Cozies need to be off stage. Mine are mostly off stage, and they're not gruesome if they are. I mean, Your murders are off stage. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. see the body, it's not gruesome. I do have a rescue that's a little. <laughs> and yeah, I'm in a tiny town of five thousand in the winter. It's like living in your high school where everybody knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not far Literally. off. Yeah, <laughs> Literally. And yeah, one of my kids was an officer. One's a major crimes unit detective. Two are death investigators. Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> and I've been I've been in that world while I've worked and stayed friends with that world. And yeah, people die that you don't know about, which is probably good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Things happen. So yeah, it feels a little bit like there's a, a show called Midsummer. Oh yeah. Oh, love the, love, love, love the show. Love the show. We always say, how many more people can die? <laughs> yeah, the town is gonna dry up here. Can you 
<laughs> maybe it's that the police detective. Maybe he should move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's not hard for me to come up with the ideas. Uh, they're not really any of those based too much on fact. My last book is a spinoff on something that really did happen a couple of times in our The county. one that's coming out in November? Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, keep them drooling but, here. Yeah, so, when I write, I plot. I'm a heavy plotter. Okay. I do. Do, do you do pl a plot and, or an, and an outline and then a manuscript? Or uh, what's your methodology? I took a wonderful course from the woman who wrote Story Genius, which okay. said you need to love your character in the first page. And the first thing I do is I create the characters. That's the very first thing. And I create them pretty detailed. What do you like to eat? Where are you going to lunch? <laughs> Because I want to know them. And I also create a relationship board because I think if there's not a couple of love triangles, there's no fun. Okay. And then I use, I've taken Save the Cat and another story arc that's based more on relationships and problem solving and flawed mm -hmm. characters that Harry mm -hmm. Potter and put them together in a Scrivener where I can outline it in there and I outline it and then I get my kids together and have them make sure that I'm correct in my law enforcement lingo my <laughs> anything that's in it because I have a lot of experts at hand which is great and yeah and then I start writing and then about two-thirds of the way through one of the characters takes over becomes more than they were supposed to be and the whole thing gets screwed up but it comes out at the end <laughs> wow Chris often talks about that. I have that had that experience myself, but Chris tells a story about a particular character in a book of his called Genius High, which is a transgender character, which he created after being inspired by an actual student, because Chris was a high school student for years. And he, this was something he had he'd seen this particular student going through some difficult times. And so when he went to create this story, he wanted a character like that in the story so he created that character with the intention that it would, and Chris, forgive me if I'm not telling the story properly, but you're not here, fella. So, so the, it was, the character was going to be relegated to a, a small part within the major story. Now, the character began to just become much more, and there were all these circumstances where the character was just perfect for doing this or pushing that plot point forward or whatever. And so soon the character made her place in the book. And it was, it, he tells that story very well. And I just muddled through it, Chris, but hey, what can I tell you? So yeah, I get it. Yeah. I really understand what he experienced. I think Sophie was that way. When I wrote the book, Esther, the main character, is a library nerd and likes to be in the library. And she wants to lay low. She had some things happen in her childhood when she lived elsewhere and her family moved to the coast to start over. And she doesn't want anybody to know about it. And uh, her father shows up and he ends up on the front of the paper and she's outed in social media and shamed as you are when something yeah. was must be your fault um and so Sophie was just so, supposed to be that friend that she could talk to and chat with Sophie's my alter ego she's just mouthy and awful she food swears whatever Esther's thinking and won't say out loud she says it right there and then whether you want to hear it or not and I fell in love with her and she became her own soul. Great. And uh, yeah, I sent it to the publisher and 
I love my editor. Don't get me wrong. I love my editor. But she wrote back two things. She said, I think Sophie is kind of like a brat. And I don't think people are going to like her. And I don't think they're going to like to read her. I had already had my ARC readers and people reading it. They were their favorite. And of youth, she's their favorite. And she's she plays more of a role than I ever planned for her. But I love her honesty. It's great. I think it's key. Again, <laughs> calling on the great Chris again. We often talk about creating character bios. You had mentioned earlier about how you do that kind of work. The more you know your character, the more they tell you what they will do, what they will say, what they won't do within the story. It becomes more authentic. And mm -hmm. we go from our writer's voice to the character's voice and the character's nature. And that makes the story much more relatable and engaging. And so I, I totally get that. And I also get that not every character is for every reader, including our editors sometimes. It's, yeah, I know you don't like the character, but I didn't write this for you. So <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm right. sorry, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm interrupting, go ahead. No, you're right. not. No, this is your show. I'm just here <laughs> facilitating. Yes. I, yeah. I think because I was okay with not having the publisher keep it, um, I was very honest with her about how I felt. Probably the first book that I sent in and authors, if this is your first book, I gave up ground because I felt like I didn't know enough and mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't do that quite again. You pay your dues out. when you're starting out. That's a reality. That's a reality. We, we do draw a line in the sand if we have that thought process, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you pay your dues. You you take less money or you deal with something that doesn't feel quite as comfortable. But as you start to get more of a sense of who you are as a writer, as a creative, you start to go, mm, no, I, I don't want that. You know, or I'm not going to do that. Or I, you know what? I'll publish a darn thing myself. Whatever it is, whatever it takes to get the story out there. Okay. So let me let me just touch base here. So as I mentioned before, folks, and I, I do enjoy the concept. You have Esther and Sophie in five books, six, six books, my bad, six books, oh. <laughs> and someone dies in each one of them. So yeah. you, you've got these off-camera murders that go on, and they're all happening within this town. Now, I think at one point you mentioned something about the girls having to fill out forms to go to college. Do you intend to age them up if you continue with the series? I think that is a surprise that I will hold back on. No, okay. I, I, I think they will be around. And when they show up, I think the readers who read the first series will recognize them and other people may not. Okay. All right. Yeah, because be I, was, I was thinking, that's, that's, that's interesting. It, it Had she, meaning you, had Shannon envisioned a mini series or a maxi series? And if it was a maxi series, was it going to be in, in almost in stages? The first X number of books would be here and then the next section of books would be there that long view which is fine yeah. which is great i do I know you you have children who are adults who are <laughs> in law enforcement and all of that when you are conjuring up your plots and the crimes for your plots do the characters come before the crime or vice versa or sometimes you just think of a location and then start to pull the other pieces together that's a great question. That's I try and ask one per, per session. Yeah. You know, the first thing that happens is I need five red herrings. And I do usually decide. That's a good um, title, by the way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I have to remember that one. Yeah. And I, I do look at the characters to drive the plot. 
here's the honest truth. When I write, once I've got everything lined out, it starts telling me what will work best and what won't. So usually it's the relationship between the characters that drives what the murder is going to be or what mm. be that happens. So for example, in Murder Takes a Selfie, Esther's just in a bad place in her head. Her mom's marrying a police officer. She's not happy about it. She doesn't want him in the house. Her dad just did this thing. Sam? Um, what? Is it Sam or Joe? I, I'm trying to remember. Joe. Joe. Yeah. Okay, good. Joe, See, I yeah. told you I, I was reading. Yeah, good. Yeah. Every girl's dream, Joe Hart. So mom's going to marry Joe. She's not happy about that. The thing happened with her dad. She's not happy about that. And she's just not in a good place in her head. And there's a young man that she has a little crush on. That's a friend of her uncle and her about a year apart. They're friends. And uh, he comes into the library regularly with a different girl every time. And so she has a lot of judgment around that. And then she, he has a twin sister and he, she just thinks she's the mean girl. Mm. And when history gets going what I love to do is let you see people, like really see them. And when the mystery gets going, it turns out that this handsome young man is the one who needs help. And maybe that mean girl isn't as mean as she thought. Yeah. So, yeah. His first impression, not always the best or lasting impression. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a theme in my books is that there'll be one or two red herrings that you're thinking, oh, they're awful. They're awful. And then I try to make you love them before the end. Mm -mm. Okay. All right. When you, I also teach a, a mystery writing course. When you are writing your story or laying out your story, mm -hmm. do you commit the crime? Obviously, we don't physically go out and do this stuff, folks. But do, do you plan out all of that before you start determining where the clues, red herrings and suspects fit in? Or do you just unfold it as you go and let try to see what happens as it happens? No, I plot it. I plot where the murder will be. And I plot the red herrings. And actually, sometimes I plot the red herrings before I plot the murder. Like I oh. have an idea of what I want to do for the murder. But I also need plausible relationships and plausible interconnections that that could be red herrings. Mm -hmm. so, so it's it's a combination of both, I think. I do think about the murder because, well, this last book, the murder was first. It was something I'd always thought, ooh, that'd make a good book. When I talk to people who are writing this type of book for the first time, or maybe they've only done a couple of mystery stories, I always say, if you know how the crime was perpetrated, you then have an idea of where mistakes could have been made or clues could have been left. And that mm -hmm. it makes it easier for them at that point to plan out the steps. Because I, I was an editor in a project with a company for about five years. And we used to get sometimes these quote unquote award-winning writers, award-winning writers who would come in to write a mystery story for the series we were developing. And it would be, things were happening, things were happening, and this is the guilty person. Where are the clues? Where's all the, how did that, how did this person do? But this is, the, no, I no, hate that's that. not how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hate that. When you don't give me the clues and I haven't figured it out way before you tell me, I'm not happy as a reader. I'll even go with, even if I don't figure it out before, it's all revealed. I want to be able to go back. Oh, that's why she said. And when I saw this, I didn't realize. So that you're playing fair with your audience, you know, as opposed to just noise. And then you point a finger. That's not really a mystery. That's a crime drama, if you want, or certain other types of criminal versus uh, the police or a sleuth sort of scenario. 
But yeah, I think an authentic mystery, you need to lay down clues, you need to have suspects, there needs to be a certain amount of rhyme and reason that's going on, so that your audience does have a chance to maybe figure it out before the reveal. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. I really think that it there are times when I'm writing and I think, oh, that's not enough. And I'll go back and make sure that I have included what I need to include so that mm-hmm. you can see it. If you're looking, you'll see it. It's all in there. Or you can go back and find those conversations or those little things that happened. <laughs> I suppose I should mention here, first, I'm going to mention the names of the six books that you've written so far, but then I'm going to mention something else because I brought it up earlier. So there was Murder Takes a Selfie, and then there's Murder Makes a Vlog. <laughs> I've got to hear about this one later. Then there's Murder Has a Ball, which involves a dance or a ball, just in case people are thinking it's sports related. It's not. And then there's Murder Host an Event. Mm-hmm. And Murder is Delivered, which is another. And that involves a tsunami, if I re- remember right. Well, that's an event. But that's yeah, the event. Kind of a spoiler, but yeah. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay because I think even knowing that, it's a if you have never experienced it. I can honestly say no. I we've had some major storms with a lot of water and flooding, but not that. And I'm okay with that. I am too. <laughs> and then there's uh, the seaside murder before Christmas, which which I, I suspect now that we're into the holiday season. This one should fly off the shelf. And then I was, oh, no. So those are the six um, By the Sea Cozy Mystery series, the the six books that came out under that banner. And that involves the two young ladies, Sophie and Esther. And you say you have something in store for fans of that series going forward. So we'll have to wait, obviously, until you tell me what that is. I'd also like to add more books to it later, but I want to do something fresh. So you have something fresh coming out, and I'm going to mention that in a moment, but I I wanted to just double check. You received a number of awards, and I'm just curious about, I'm just going to name a couple, and maybe you can give us an idea. The LDS PMA Praiseworthy Award. I was just nominated for that. Excuse me? I was just nominated for that, but that was fun for me because they're a group I really respect. So I didn't get it, the award. I was nominated for that uh, one. I'll talk to them about that. <laughs> uh, now, you were also a nominee for the Whitney Award. I was. That was a oh. fun story. Okay. <laughs> and and there's several story. others here. Were these for the Cozy Mystery Series, for the articles you wrote, or for some of the other remarkable things that you've done that we haven't touched on yet? One was for Murder Hosts an Event. The LDS PMA nomination was for that book. Mm-hmm. The other nomination, the Whitney, was for Safe House. And as it ah. turns out, a, a really best-selling author wrote the exact same titled book with almost the exact same content <laughs> and published it three months after me. We're even friends. Like, we talk. We I call her on the phone. Wow. Okay, doing? Now, don't do this. And one time we did the same thing. We mirrored each other's brains. <laughs> so... So they they called me and said, or they emailed me and said, you won. And I wrote back and I said, I'm betting Tracy won. <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, you're right. Tracy won. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's funny. Oh. Uh, she I, should split it with you. 
You get to keep it for several months. She gets to keep it for several months. Yeah, I got her right up to number one and then she launched and she's she is a great writer and we do see each other and I hope she'll be at LDSPMA. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Before I get to the book that's coming out in November, because that's going to be the denouement of our interview. You've been involved in um, a number of organizations and you've done a number of volunteer work which I'm, I'm going to assume, to, as you said earlier about some of your previous your previous career impacting on the material that you wrote, Safe House mm-hmm. being the results, one of the results of that. There's an organization that you're a part of or you volunteered for, and I, I want to try and say this right now. It's the, oh, where, no, come on now, where is it here? Oh, there it is. It's the Operations Underground Railroad. Yeah, it's a, excuse me. Yeah. Go ahead. No, tell me about that because there's it's written in your bio as newsletter, but it also says you did some volunteer work with them. And I have all kinds of images when one says the Underground Railroad and volunteering. So what did you do and how was how does that how did that even come about? It's interesting. I was on a trip in my car and they called me and asked me if I would like to do their newsletters. And I think it was a spinoff of the blog that I'd done and of the the other articles that I'd done is probably why they called uh, maybe my first book. No, I think it was around the same time. They are an organization that began working to interrupt sex trafficking. And they also have like recovery houses all around the world. I think eight or nine of them. Uh, it was a grassroots organization. They did a movie recently, Sound of Freedom. Yes. And- Yeah. And people either love the group or hate the group. It's just the way it is. But I have, it it created something for me. At the time, I, I had cases that were, but it was never called that. And they were the most frustrating cases to support my client in. Mm. Because people always blame the victim because she just didn't leave that day because she stayed there, but there were so many reasons that they stay, right? And they offer a free training online and it was great. And then I was able to go to one of the chiefs around here and say, hey, you know, this gal that we've been talking about, this is what we're seeing. And he was like, oh my gosh, that is what we're seeing. It was meaningful to me that in our small town, I am heartbroken. We're a tourist kind of Mecca. Mm-hmm. We can go from 5,000 to 80,000 in a weekend. And I would see a lot of kids come in with their parents. In fact, I used to know the numbers. They were high. Their parents would come in to work motels, summer jobs. And then the parents would move on. And if the kids were in high school, they'd stay behind with a friend and be couch surfing. We had 25% at one point couch surfing teenagers. And then I would see them downtown hanging on the corners. They have an arcade and some other things. And I just thought this is a recipe for disaster. So I did a little bit of investigating. I actually, there was somebody in town that had been on the inside and I learned how that happened. And that was my second book was to say, hey, just because we live in a small town doesn't mean that you're not at risk. And the person's at risk in that book. So I really cared about the subject and wrote for a couple of years for them. And then when COVID hit, they were very much started by a family, moms on the phone, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they were doing, everybody was doing fundraisers to fundraise for them, like lemonade stands. Anything that worked, yeah. Yeah, COVID. It just, there's just nothing. And so I thought there's gotta be some other authors that feel like me 
And so I put together and I just did it for a couple of years. It was a heavier lift and and then they were going and they didn't really need me. I put together a group of authors. I want to say, I don't know, there was a long list, 50, 60 authors, bestsellers, newbies, the whole nine yards who were willing to donate what they estimated their royalties were for the day that we celebrate or not celebrate, but we mark as remembering that trafficking is a problem. I created a page and put everybody's books up and and we just all promoted the event and gave them all Mm -hmm. the stuff to promote it. And when it was done, people like me that are published, we don't know for months what we'll get. And so I estimated and then I adjusted it when I got it back and everybody just sent their donations in. And apparently they were happy with it. So they gave me the Volunteer of the Year Award. And I was tickled to death that it's, I really care about the things I do. Like, I really And I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in a town of 5,000 on the coast. And so to be able to do something that makes even a minimum amount of difference or raises awareness to me, I was grateful for a chance to do that. I think that we underestimate the power of an individual with a worthy purpose. And also it's about who you are and where you are at a particular time. You are exactly where you need to be, obviously. And if you aren't, you're still taking remarkable advantage of where you are. But I would say, yeah, you're where you need to be. I'm reminded of a quick situation because, you know, again, certain people look at creative, uh, the creative arts are as entertainment distractions like we have no valid purpose other than to entertain periodically until people get back to real work and then you do what you do uh, with the work that you've done and some of the things that you've dealt with that inspired the work that you've done i was i've one of the things i've written is comic books i've written some uh novels plays and everything but i've also written comic books and one year because of a series of remarkable circumstances i was invited to go to Russia, to Moscow, to as a speaker at a Comic-Con that was being held there, their annual event. And this is pre-COVID. And okay. I'm there. And one of the major events during that visit was an art exhibit at the Museum of Mo- the Moscow Museum of Art. And so I'm in there, and there are people from other countries there. It's a, an international event. And at one point, the person is standing at the microphone and he is speaking in Russian, naturally. Mm-hmm. And he, every now and then I hear the American, the American. <laughs> so I turned to my the translator and I said, what is he saying at this point? And she said, oh, he's talking about you. I said, what about me? He said, he's introducing you. I said, to do what? He says, they want you to come up and say something. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have a problem with speaking, as you may guess. But I'm thinking, I don't have a prepared speech. I wasn't told I was supposed to speak. And I said, oh, she said, no, just just say how you feel about being here in comics. Or I said, okay. So I get up there. And again, he says, the American, the American. And it took me a moment. But as I'm standing there and I'm about to open my mouth, I look around the room. And there are maybe three other Black men there. But they're all from Africa. Oh, then there are everybody else is from some other part of Europe. I am the only American in the room. Wow. Like 200 and some odd people. Wow. And I'm it. 
as the American. <laughs> so suddenly I'm standing there and I realize I'm not just standing here representing myself yeah. or representing the arts. Mm -hmm. I'm also representing as an, an African-American and as an American. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it flashes in your head from a, could you have ever imagined in your youth that this circumstance would ever exist that mm -hmm. where all of these people are getting their impressions about where you come from or what you are or the people that you look like mm -hmm. from what you do and say in this moment. Right. That yeah. is so true. And yeah. Yeah. In in terms of what you did, you were in the right place at the right time. And you just said, here's a problem. How can we affect this problem? How can we resolve this problem and do it through the creative arts and do it as a writer? Anybody listening, writing has power. Okay. In case you were not quite sure about it, you can write to entertain. Absolutely. That's a loving, wonderful thing to do. But there's so many other ways that you can be effective or beneficial or serve with your creative abilities. So thank you for that in particular. Yeah, I think I write all my books. I write them to entertain and people are entertained, but they also say, I just couldn't believe this part. I just started to cry. So like Sophie's in the first book, and I'll give you a little spoiler. Her dad, prison. Yeah. And she's out. So if you don't want the spoiler, mute for a minute. She's out on social media and a letter comes in the mail from him for her from prison. From her father. And she just leaves it and she doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to look at it. And Sophie's, you got Sophie's telling her. And at the very end of the book, she opens it and it has two words in it. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. And so there's this whole arc of just that relationship and looking at what's a healthy boundary. How do I get through this? How do I feel about this? While the other story is going on, because that's how life is. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. hear about solving mysteries if your life's been perfect. The hero's journey is is always I start in one place and I go on this quest, whatever it may be, and I'm by the end of it, I've changed or I've learned something, hopefully yeah. beneficial. If you're thinking Breaking Bad, not necessarily. <laughs> but so let's talk about, again, closing in on the closing. Uh, let's talk about your book that's coming out in November. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, hang on, I want to, it is just, here, oh, here it is. I'm looking at it again, folks. If you really want to see what these covers look like, you've got to check a, check out the Tell the Damn Story YouTube channel, because all these covers will be popping up in the video during this interview. But this is called Booked for Murder. Okay. And this is a new series. This is a Balefire Bay cozy mystery. Yeah. Build a whole city in a bay <laughs> based on a city that's down here. But yeah. Yeah, a bale fire is an old word for a lighthouse. Ah, yeah. learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so tell series. us a little bit about this. Um, yeah. not, no longer Eliza and Sophie? Oh, Esther and Sophie, yeah. Es Esther, I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, no, it's okay. She's just my favorite queen, so that's why she's named that. There so, <laughs> yeah, in this book, it starts out, it's like some of the things that are similar in all my books. The main characters in a shelter. And she's on the run and she needs to hide. And it's evident she needs to hide. And there's not very much time spent there, maybe a page and a half. And then she gets on a bus and they've given her all new identity. Like you can, a new driver's license and it's a hidden address and all the things that you do for survivors that you don't know about. And then while she's on the bus is like empty and an older woman comes in 
And of course, it's right next to her. And she's just trying to sleep. She doesn't want this woman there. She's irritated. <laughs> and the woman starts knitting. Oh, <laughs> I know. And so finally, she just makes a comment and that's it. She's sucked into this conversation and she's telling the woman that she's going to go to Portland and it is at the tail end of COVID and the riots are happening and the town is, it was a mess. It was, it was just a train wreck of heartbreak. And the woman says, you, you don't want to go there. I think you should come out to where I live. I happen to have a friend who's been looking for a writer's assistant and help with a library. And you I like libraries. I love libraries. I love books, the way they smell, the way they feel. And she's her name is Aggie, and she's a strong character in the book. And she talks her into going to Balefire Bay. When she gets there, the author is very famous, very famous, and her favorite author. So she's just sucked into saying yes, but immediately she started unraveling her identity. And a murder has mm. already happened before she arrived. Oh, she's another one. Esther, yeah. Sophie, and this new person, stay away from them because <laughs> someone's <laughs> going to die. Yeah. They talk about it on the bus. Somebody had already died. And after she said yes to the job, and they're at a kind of book club morning with the police chief, the, the morning hangout at the coffee shop, right? Like we mm -hmm. have here. Um, she realizes that he has no alibi. And they're just all assuming he didn't do it. And she has oh. no idea. And now she's going to be working at his house. There you go. So, yeah. Nice setup. Nice That's setup. So when is this coming out? Uh, I hope to have it out by November 20th. No later. I'd like to have it out by the 15th. The honest truth is it's out of proofreaders. And I just can't go fast enough. I have to wait for everybody to finish their piece. So gotcha. Gotcha. she's done. I have a dear friend that will help with formatting. This one I'm self-publishing. And so it's a little bigger lift for me. It's still a learning curve. It is a learning curve. Let me ask you then, since you mentioned that, the first mm -hmm. series, the By the Sea Cozy Mysteries, who published that? And that they are available on Amazon. Yeah. And Barnes and Noble. And yeah. I, who published? One of them was in Costco. And I thought, who knew that being in a big box store would be the quintessential moment of my career as a writer? <laughs> <laughs> right? The baby. There you go. There you go. <laughs> The, yeah, they published the first four of the series. They who? My publisher. Oh, okay. Published the first four. They asked for the fifth. The editor called me. She says, I love this book, but I have bad news. They were, COVID rocked everybody's world. And they were going to narrow down their focus to more of religious literature and handbooks and ah. uh, that kind of thing. And which they are really good at, which is great for them. I just said, oh, no problem. I'll just self-publish these. I did self-publish two of them. And I have a couple. I have a friend, Deb Goodman. If you read any of Deb Goodman's books, you will love her. She's hilarious. And she and Julie walked me through how to do it. And it's still, it's a little bit of a little oh, bit. Oh, believe me, Chris and I know. We, we're we right there with you. Right there with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've had some traditional publishing, but I've also self-published. And Chris has had some experiences as well. When next you're on the show... Which will, mm -hmm. I'm already saying, if you'll come back, uh, yeah. you should come back in November around the release date, so that we can talk it up a little bit more. But I you'll mean. meet Chris, and then he can regale you with some of his nonsense because I've already done that myself. Uh, you know. I don't think it's nonsense. I have really enjoyed talking to you. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Same, absolutely, very fascinating, folks. I rattled off a number of things that she has done. We didn't get deep into the, all of those, but that's life. I do want to just make sure that, A, I 
One, I thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. I also want to, I'm going to put the names of the books in the comments area with a link to Amazon. So folks, when you're either listening to this on Spotify or Apple Pod or Google Podcast, whichever one you're listening to it on, or if you go to our YouTube channel when this is up, then you'll find a link that you can find, go find your books. Because I already did one, so that's fine. So you can just follow me. But the other thing is this other book, which is, I'm going to repeat the title again, if I can. Oh, here we go. It is called Booked for Murder, A Balefire Bay Cozy Mystery by Shannon Simons. And that's spelled S-Y-M-O-N-D-S. And I'll put your name in the comments area as well. That's coming out in November, All Things Going Well. As I said, we should have her back to to talk about that at that time. But in the meantime, you can they pre-order this? yet or no not yet i am i am not comfortable like putting it up for pre-order until i know i can meet that date and where i'm still waiting for a proofreader are you ethical what's wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little nervous about committing to a date i understand all right and i totally hear you but is there anything else you wanted to share with us or anything you wanted to ask or anything like that before we say arrivederci I would just say thanks for having me on. And I think I think that we're in a great place in the world right now where there are a lot of us that you get to hear from. Um, some are traditionally published and some are not. And they're equally brilliant. Which mm. is, um, and also don't forget your small bookstores. Yeah, my books are on Ingram Spark. So your small bookstore can order them if you prefer to walk down to the corner like I do to Beach Books and pick your books up. So. Yeah, again, you mentioned the smell of books, the feel of books. I can read things on digital, but I also have a bunch of books. Chris has a bunch of books. It's a sign of the times, but it's also there's something tactile and refreshing about turning a page and sitting under a tree and just getting lost in a good story. So I'm with you. I'm with you right there. Yeah. My grandson is a comic book reader. Oh, I was when I was a kid. Did you do the art? I just have to know. Uh, no, I did mostly the writing. I can draw, but no, mm-hmm. I'm never going to push myself as a professional illustrator, but I did do some, mm-hmm. some drawing. But I've written uh, uh, Batman, uh, Archie, um, Scooby-Doo, uh, Tarzan, a few other things like that, and then original material as well. I used to be able to buy a comic for less than a quarter. I could take a quarter, and this is how old I am, I'm really giving myself away, down to the corner store and buy a comic and a soda pop for 25 cents. (laughs) Let's remember where you live too. Slations was particular about where it it did its damage. But if you want to, if you want to play the age game, there was a time when I could go in and buy a pizza and a soda for 15 cents. What do you think about that? (laughs) We do. I live just a block off the ocean and there's a walk that goes along the ocean downtown. And I love taking my grandson and my granddaughter and walking down and my daughter and we get our books at the local bookstore, which is fun. And then we have to stop for gelato on the way back. So ah, there you go. A tradition. So I always want to remind you of our small bookstores. Again, I'm totally with you on that. And when you come back, we'll talk more about atmosphere and creativity and muses and all that good stuff as well. But it's really been a pleasure. And thank you so much for coming. And thank you, Jessica, for suggesting Shannon, because this has been two tons of fun. Chris, sorry you weren't here, buddy, because she is fun, but you'll get another shot. (laughs) Okay. Everybody, thank you very much. And please leave your comments, questions, and everything in the comment section. And 
remember to tell your own damn story.